This is the Humans of Gaming Podcast, an open and honest conversation about games, life, and belief. this year thing that you're listening to in your earballs and uh <laughs> what <laughs> what and uh, i'm joined with chris gwaltney oh, whose voice you're about to hear in your earballs as well very offended is that offensive? what oh i don't know maybe not it's better to call i'm a i'm easily i'm easily offended maybe <laughs> uh i'm chris i'm the chief executive nerd for love thy nerd and uh, I get to be on this podcast and listen to Drew say offensive things about your ears. I nice. don't think it was offensive, but well, what's your opinion? <laughs> so we're joined by Manny Tremblay. Did I it's say your last Tremblay. name right? Just Tremblay is fine. He yeah, added a little flourish on I there. Did. Tremblay. Tremblay, you 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 added a little French French Canadian. I don't think I've like ever referred to you that way. I've always said Tremblay, <laughs> but for some reason it came out that way. <laughs> yes, yes. Tremblay. What is? Do you know like the the origin of your last name? I was told by my dad that the last name is French or like French. He always called it French Canadian. Um, and I don't know if that actually came with knowledge or if that was, I know in Canada, Tremblay, Tremblay, I, I've been told it's common like Anderson or Johnson. Like it's okay. a, a name mean, that's, that's rampant in Canada. I've never, I don't think I've ever heard that name. Yep. Um, so, well, good to know. And mm-hmm. you, uh, you co-designed Dice Throne, which is I did a small little, yeah. little board game never that a handful of, of people have heard about. No, yes. it's like this really, really cool success story. Like it's, I think one of the coolest, neatest, uh, most successful like board game Kickstarter success stories that I know of anyway. Cool. Yeah. It's been amazing actually. Yeah. But, uh, but that's not your too, background. Something oh, that's sorry, really good. unique, uh, at least from what I've experienced with Dice Throne is like, there is a rabid community around Dice Throne, like yeah. as a game. I think mm-hmm. people... You know, there's people that are like, oh, yeah, cool. I like that game. But Dice Throne's like, man, you've got a diehard cult following of people yeah. that yeah. it's like a family, you know? It really is. It's funny you, sh- you say that. This morning, we just hit 4,000 members on our community page. Right. And I just posted literally uh, 10 minutes before I got online with you guys about just thanking people for making it a community and having it be more than just... Uh, just a page, just a mm-hmm. Facebook group. It is, I feel like it's a community. And honestly, we owe a lot of our success to that community. Yeah. Um, I, I would love to say that the game is the reason, but honestly, when the <laughs> community gets behind something, yeah. um, when it grows naturally on a, on a solid foundation of people caring and wanting to be together, I think it, it makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah. Sure. but people also aren't going to get around a crappy game, so you know, sure, give sure. yourself some credit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> especially uh, tabletop people, you know, board game tabletop yeah. fans, because they can be kind of like uh, uh, entitled. That's the word you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think all gamers, yes. all nerds, oh, totally. have, that, have that. Yes. Well, it's, it's the saturation, right? Like, there's so many options. Uh, yeah. I mean, video games yeah. certainly more so, but board games with Nowadays. how much it's growing, like. Yeah, there's so many options. So like, I think, again, that's a testament to how 
cool of a game Dice Throne is for people is mm-hmm. that they've got a lot of options out there and yep. they're choosing you. We've we've been told that games typically come out, they have their moment, and then they die yeah. off. Totally. And our game in the last four months, we have increased in sales every month yeah. from season one. So yeah. season one is over a year old now. And we're now increasing in sales 10 months yeah. later. It seems so. like I've noticed too, like a lot of people who are into Dice Throne are not necessarily people who were big time gamers when yep. they got into it. Yep. Is that, is that, have you know, I'm sure, sure you have a far better perception of that. Is that the case? Yes. I think it's, I think the game and, and honestly, Nate, when Nate created the core idea of the game, what he wanted was a game that was easy to learn, simple mm-hmm. to enter, but complex enough that you would play it and keep playing it and learn and dive into it. And yeah. I think that that really caters to what we, you know, you lovingly call them the kitchen table gamer. They're the people who they're not going to go to game clubs. They're not going to game friendly local game stores. Mm-hmm. Right. They just buy it and play it with their friends on Friday night, Saturday night, you know, with their kids. And mm-hmm. um, I've played a lot of games where I like to pretend that my wife will want to play them. <laughs> I, I lie yeah. to myself and I'm like, yep. oh, I'll get this game because my wife will love it. Been there, my and, friend. Yeah. And then sure enough, she'll play it once, but that's uh-huh. it. Um, whereas Dice Throne legitimately families play it. Uh, spouses play it. Mm-hmm. Kids play it. I mean, it's, and now, you know, gamers are starting to realize that there's more to it than just a dice chucker. And I think yeah. that's, right. that that's sometimes what the more elite gamer will, they will relegate it to, oh, it's a cute dice chucker. It's a warm right, game yeah. for my real big boy games. Yeah, <laughs> I discovered that the hard way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By getting, getting so a couple times recently, <laughs> I kind of what you're explaining, like to me, this is like the Rocket League effect. Drew, I know you know Rocket League. Do you know Rocket League, Manny? It's a video. I do game. not. I do not. So it's it's huge. Like it came out. Oh man, it's probably like three years. I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, I guess at least like three three, three or four years, years or so ago. ago. Yeah, and it's it's soccer with cars. So you're driving a car <laughs> around rocket power cars. Yeah, like these, you know, you've got nitro boost and, you know, it's just ridiculous. Like you can jump and all kinds of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just exploded. Like it was a free game on PlayStation Plus and it's just gone like gangbusters, man. They've got esports for it now. I mean, it's just hmm. it's nuts. And I, it has that same quality to it that I think you're talking about with Dice Throne in that the the skill floor is really yeah. low. Like anybody can jump on there and drive a car around and hit a ball into a goal, you yep. know, and feel like they're being successful doing it. Yeah. Um, and if you know but, the basics of soccer, like right. you, you get it, how it works. Yeah. Like hit this ball into that goal that's on your <laughs> yeah. side, yeah, you yeah. know, like it's <laughs> cool. Um, but you, you know, you watch the pro players play this thing and you're like, okay, that is next freaking level because yes. it is. You know, they're flying around in the air, like doing all kinds of these trick, crazy stuff. So it just it makes me think of dice throwing that way, too, of like, you know, anybody can jump in there and just start throwing dice and, you know, don't use the deck of cards, like just use dice and Mm -hmm. the board or whatever. But then you can also go, you know, as Drew and I learned being at Dice Throne Con in the tournament, (laughs) there's Mm -hmm. people that can, uh, you know, take you to task in that game. I was going to say that I I think it's. It's part of the reason why I've played, I don't know, I've probably played four or 5,000 games of Dice Throne. Oh, and a- I would play right now. <laughs> I would like, if you were, if we were yeah. sitting in the same room and you were like, you just want to hang out and play Dice Throne today, I'd be like, heck yeah, I'm going to play Dice Throne all day. Like, and oh, I gosh, would, that I is would enjoy wild. It. 
I would, I like honestly, even saying it out loud makes me wish there was someone <laughs> in my studio that I could just play with. It's funny. He's getting and goosebumps right now. I am, his own game. I, literally. And it's, it's funny because people will say, what's your favorite game? And I'm like, I, it feels narcissistic to say, but <laughs> literally Dice Throne is my favorite yeah. game. It's everything I want in a board. Yeah. Now you're in your sweet spot, man. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So we probably, I mean, we're kind of assuming because a lot of our community is like bananas about Dice Throne, but maybe you <laughs> should give like the, the quick pitch about like, what is Dice Throne? Sure. So Dice Throne, I mean, when I'm at shows, I like to lovingly call it combat Yahtzee, right? Mm-hmm. With a whole lot more strategy to it. And it's a game where you're, you have a hero, I have a hero, we're going to battle. I have my dice, my board, my abilities, um, and all the heroes are very asymmetrical. So it's not like I'm playing red player and you're playing blue player. Like mm-hmm. You have a completely different set of hero choices than I do and options. But we're dueling down. You know, I got 50 health, you got 50 health, and we're going to use our cards and our dice. We're going to hit abilities, and we're going to try to reduce the other player to zero. So it's, again, at its core, it's a very simple dueling game. Um, I remember a kid at uh, PAX South walked up, he heard the pitch, and he's like, oh, it's like Overwatch. And I, yeah. and I was like, uh, sure, sure, buddy, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. totally. I mean, there's a yeah, hero. Whatever makes you buy it. Yeah, yeah. whatever makes you buy it. There's a hero, yeah. and you battle other people. And so, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think I can see, I can, I can actually totally see that, because in Overwatch you have an ultimate that you have to charge up and um like playing that ultimate correctly is is really important um and then you have you know all these heroes that have kind of different abilities and things so yeah there's definitely some some overlap there Mm -hmm. um i learned the skill ceiling the hard way we uh i had we went to dice throne con Mm-hmm. We got to hang out with you in person yeah. a few weeks ago, and uh, it was a blast. And I actually hadn't played a, a ton. I'd probably played like three or four games in my life leading up to that. And I played in the tournament, won my first two games, and I was like, you know what? I'm pretty good. <laughs> he I, was Manny, Manny, <laughs> let me tell you, he was unbearable. Uh, I can't even tell you. They keep uh, saying that. He was that. so smug after it. those first just, two games. <laughs> there was... This is what happened. There was a lot of like trash talking about how I was going to get wrecked in the tournament. And I just, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. The first guy that I played said that he was like runner up in last year's tournament. So I was like, the fact that I beat him, I was like, man, like I'm pretty good at this game. (laughs) And then my second game was against like a seven year old. Uh, So I can't Uh really, Uh I can't really brag too much about that one. Oh, Uh, but you did. I did a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because he, um, there were like three different times when his dice landed on the edge of his mat to where it wasn't completely flat, you know, on the table, you know, mm-hmm. and he was like, oh, it wasn't, it's not flat. I get to reroll that one. And it was like, you knew what the dice was. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you, it's clearly a, a four and he's like rerolling it because he wants a six. Okay. So um, I'm going to stop you for a second. Cause uh-oh, are you a dice uh-oh. person? Are you a dice player? No, I don't. Well, I mean, like, okay. no, I don't not. play. You like, didn't a, answer properly, so I know you're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that you, fair? Is that? Am I in the so, wrong here? So I will. I will explain to you. Dice people are a uh-huh. unique breed of gamer. Okay. Okay. They will. So often, what happens, and know. this kid is learning this, obviously, probably from his dad or you know whatever. <laughs> um, but when you when you're a dice person, if you roll the die and it is not perfectly flat, 
they will almost always re-roll it. Or what they will do is they'll grab another die and they'll set it on top of the first yeah. one. And yep. if it slides off, that means the die is cocked and must be re-rolled. But yeah. if, it can, if it can sit on top balanced without moving, then the die is considered flat and therefore is not re-rolled. Yeah. I just saw that technique for the first time. I don't think it was at Dice Throne Con, but I just saw it like a couple weeks ago. Somebody do that. I'm like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. and they explain that whole theory yeah. to me and i'm like oh, mm-hmm. yeah i, accept. I did not That's know cool. that mm-hmm. well so yes dice dice people are intense uh, i didn't like especially if they're seven yes. i didn't like say anything no but because he was younger and stuff and i was just mm-hmm. like okay whatever but inside i was going like that's not fair like <laughs> but, <laughs> but but i won so That's but then not- the next the next two games i got wrecked yeah. and yeah. i could tell it was what the reason I enjoyed, I did kind of enjoy those games, even though I lost, was because I was like, oh, I get what I, I, I knew why I lost at the end. Mm-hmm. And I saw some strategies I had no idea about um, and was like, it made me itching to get back to the table to play it again, you know, mm-hmm. um, which I think is 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 probably uh, evidence of some, some solid game design. So, um, yeah, it was it was a good time. Cool. I think it's also worth saying that, and I'm probably wrong, but I'm going to say it anyway, because that's just what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know of another game, board game, that like has its own convention. Like, I think that <laughs> speaks to that community. You know, mm-hmm. that like these guys, and I, not an exaggeration, we were there. Like, people just played Dice Throne. Like, that was it. Mm-hmm. They played yeah. Dice Throne, and they loved it. And they like... It was all about that community. And I think that just speaks again to this unique, I think, place that you guys have found in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a special thing. And I think it's important for, you know, I know it's important for Nate and I, when we think about it, to be um, very grateful for the fact that this is happening, but not to, uh, I feel like not to take all the credit for it because it's one of those things where, you know, you can you can set out to make something that grows community and that has grassroots and strength like this you can Mm -hmm. want to make it but that doesn't mean it will happen i mean Mm -hmm. every game is trying to build things like this and it just doesn't happen all the time so i think we're it's definitely a special place in time for us Mm -hmm. yeah so um we should probably give people a little bit of like bearings on what you guys have done since season one. So season, you mentioned earlier, season one continues mm-hmm. to sell well. Mm-hmm. I picked up a copy at Dice Throne Con, so uh, you got another sale off of me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, there you go. And then you guys released season two not too, too long ago and uh, have announced season three now, which we got to do like a little sneak peek preview, play it at, yep. uh, at Dice Throne Con. So. Yeah, so to... When we set out to, to do this, I mean, there, Nate and I were very much inspired by fighting games, uh, games like Diablo. Uh, we're both big action RPG fans. Mm-hmm. Um, we love Soul Calibur, and, you know, <clears throat> we both come from video games. Uh, and then I love tabletop war games, um, uh, War Machine in particular. And so uh, when we set out, we wanted to create an ongoing roster uh, like League of Legends, like Dota, where we're going to create new heroes, we're going to expand the roster and create uh, a system, an ecosystem people can play in. And so when we first set out, the um, even our distributor was like, uh, yeah, that's probably not going to work because board games is all about Cult of the New. Hmm. 
And we're like, well, we're going to try it anyways. So <laughs> yeah, forget you. What do you know? Yeah. That's basically, we're like, well, this is what we want to do. So we're going to totally. try it and see if it works. Yeah. And lo and behold, it has worked so far. Um, so and before season- that, you guys were, were making video games, right? You and Nate. Nate and I were making video games before Dice Throne ever started. Um, yeah. And then we both got laid off from the same company at yeah. the same time in August of 16. So uh, when we got laid off, that was, we had been working on a video game version of Dice Throne at the time, mm, um, yeah. except it was called Dice Forge and it wasn't okay. the same game. It used Yahtzee yeah. style mechanic for other things. That's cool. Um, That's cool. So yeah. So yeah. season one and then another season two, it's coming out in two, two hero packs, right? So in January, the first two box one and two came out box three comes out next week, I think. I think it's next week into retail yeah. and then box four comes out in May for season three or season two. Sorry. Yeah. And That's then yes, year. season three is in the works and we're planning a Kickstarter campaign. We don't have a date picked for it yet, but as soon as we feel like we're ready to launch that, we will. And um, as you mentioned, you got to play it, but it's a co-op, you know, you can play any of the heroes that currently exist and future yeah. heroes in the co-op campaign. Yeah. I love that. So it's this, and there will be a, a few new heroes in season three, right? There will be at least a couple. Yes, we're, we're yeah, not. Yeah. We're not actually sure what the total count is. Might be two. Might be four. We we don't know for sure. Cool. So this uh, don't let it go to your head, okay? okay. But like that's a stroke of brilliance, I think, in what you got this corner that you're turning with season three, because I don't know. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know of any other like board game tabletop game that like changed trajectories like that, but not even in like a, um, like you can still after season three, you can still play dice throne PVP, like one-on-one or two on two or whatever. Yep. But also now you've completely changed genres in a way of like, well, now it's also a co-op and you can do both. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that, yes. that to me is a stroke of brilliance. And, and f- like, for someone like me that, you know, like I'm super excited for season three because most of the time when I'm playing games with people, it's like, you know, four or five, three, four or five people. Yep. And, you know, Dice Throne in its current state, it's like it's best one on one in my experience. Yep. And so with this co-op thing like that opens it up, I think, to a whole new um, a whole new market of people. Right. You know, I know and that, that that's just, yeah, you guys nailed it. Yeah. And honestly, this is, this is all Nate. Season three is his baby. He, he is a huge co-op fan. Mm-hmm. Um, he loves it. He loves the format. Um, he, even from the beginning, he was like, I want a co-op at some point. And mm-hmm. we are like, well, we want to build a proper roster first because that what you're talking about, the idea of we built one game, and then all of a sudden we introduce a completely different game that allows you to use everything you had previously. You know, it's, it is, it's super cool. And what it does is there's a lot of people out there that don't like fighting each other. That's just a part of mm-hmm. board games, right? They, mm-hmm. they don't want to battle. Yeah. They want to play together or they yeah. want to like passive aggressively play against each other. A la you know, Euro games where they're like, right, yeah. I'm not fighting yeah. you. I'm just trying to win. Right. You know? totally. <laughs> Yeah, And so the co-op all of a sudden creates this format where you're going to get to learn how to play Dice Throne. And my hope, my hope as a dueler is that after you play the co-op, you're going to realize, oh, I could battle my friends now too. This game isn't so aggressive and so mean-spirited like a lot of combat games mm-hmm. that we can't just 
hey, let's just let's play some duels. Let's play some team games. Let's, you know. So not only do the co-op people get to have a co-op and the duelers get to now play co-op, but now those co-op people might explore the world of fighting and dueling. Yeah, and it was a... you know, it was really challenging. Like I, I thought it was, it, and it was interesting. Like it seemed like at first I thought, oh, we can't do this. Uh, <laughs> when we played, like, mm-hmm. we couldn't beat the, the boss that we got to, but it actually ended up going down to the wire uh, and we almost did. And so, uh, yeah, I, I found myself really wanting to, to get back there and try again. And it sounds like it's, um, going to have a lot of replayability because there will be ways to make it harder and there's mm-hmm. ways to, uh, progress on further, uh, much further than what we did. So, uh, yeah, that's the mark of every best co-op though. I think is that it always comes down to the wire, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, like either in your favor or not, but like, right. if you feel as though, man, we, we did have a chance, you know, yep. and if all, oh, if I would have done this thing differently or that thing differently, then, you know, it could have gone the other way. Like that's, that's a good co-op in my opinion. Yeah, I'd agree. Definitely. So, uh, so you were what? What video games did you work on before you guys started uh, making Dice Throne? So I moved uh, from Minnesota to Spokane. Uh, my wife and I moved from Minnesota, where we grew up, to Spokane to work for a company called Cyan Worlds. Um, yeah, they did Mist, Riven. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Now I did Little not work never, never never heard of them. Never heard of them. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I did not work on Mist and Riven. I was there. I started in '04. And my, I was hired specifically to help them branch out into new game development. Hmm. So as, as a new game, as a game designer slash concept artist, illustrator. Um, so that was my primary job. I worked on Mist 5, End of Ages. I was a 3D artist and illustrator. Um, but then I basically everything I worked on never got produced. Like it, the company <laughs> kind of imploded at the time. They just couldn't get that next game lined up, which is so yeah. common in video games. Um, mm-hmm. And then from there, I actually took a detour into just graphic design work, working for a company that makes kids dinnerware. And okay. I did that for eight it's years. a bit of a departure there. It is a very big departure. We, we wanted to stay in Spokane and there is no jobs here. It's a small town. There's not a lot of industry. Um, yeah. So kids dinnerware like plates with like Dora. The yeah, Explorer literally like you. Like that. Yeah, they're melamine plates. They're okay. like the you go into Target and there's that box sitting on the shelf that has a plate, a bowl, and a cup in it. Yeah, yep. yeah. and it has Dora or you know Tinkerbell or Frozen or whatever. That yeah. was that was me. You know, I'm the guy wow. making those plates, cups, and bowls. Um, That's valuable work. <laughs> yes, valuable. I'm gonna start. So. There's this thing. I don't know if you guys are still doing this or not, but in the Dice Throne community where people would find Dice Throne in Barnes and Noble and they'd like take a selfie with it. That was a thing, right? I'm going to start doing that with those plate sets at Target. I'm going to take a selfie with those and tag you. Yes. Well, honestly, because it's so it's uh, seasonal. So I don't think there's anything I have made that is still out in the market. You could uh, you can find my work like you find find it. Yeah. Totally. Um, you you wouldn't know it was my work because none of that stuff is ever labeled. You know? Sure, yeah. But I did like these lines of Tinkerbell products. And um, the thing I was most proud of was this line of product I did that wasn't licensed. It was its own line of plates. It was called Momo. And it was its own line of uh, like Momo. bamboo style dinnerware. Hmm. Yeah. And, and bamboo composite material. So it's like a melamine mixed with bamboo. 
and you can still actually find it on like amazon or whatever uh and it like it won an award when it was made and my my i love to share this part but i made it on a saturday at work we we had to come in on saturday and we had to make a line of product so i was like i don't know i guess i'll make this and so i just (laughs) designed this line of product on a saturday and then it went on to be this like successful well you know well-liked I don't know how much it actually sold, but you know, this liked weird thing of games. Anyways, so (laughs) I digress. So I, I went to there and then after that, I ended up getting hired at the company, a company called seven, two in Spokane that Nate worked at and he's a programmer. I'm a game artist. And so I worked on apps like Dora and finding Nemo and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Mm -hmm. other assorted, mainly kids related game apps yeah um, so that was my last thing before we got laid off and then now i'm did you enjoy doing that kind of work in the game space or was it stressful? Uh, even like a, you curious. know doing licensed work for like disney um yeah. it had its up moments like my favorite one is i got to do a teenage mutant ninja turtles uh game yeah and it they didn't have a style guide because most of that stuff like disney will say here's the art use this art right um but right. this this specific one didn't have any art and so they said well you guys are going to need to find art or make it and i was like okay wow so i got to build the art and the style guide um, for this, for this game, I got to make the backgrounds and I got to draw my own, you know, uh, you know, versions of the different turtles and Ooh, that's crazy. That's cool. so that part was super cool. Um, but generally when you're doing licensed work like that, it's, you're, you just got to make Disney happy, but it also has to right. get under budget. Lots of red tape. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, so I wanted to ask, or, you know, I want our listeners to hear too, uh-huh. like, We've talked, obviously, uh, at length about Dice Throne and stuff, but that's not the only thing you're doing now in tabletop world. So share what you can. (laughs) Um, So since Dice Throne, there have been a number of companies that have asked me to do art for other games. Mm -hmm. And mostly I've been too busy to tackle that kind of stuff. Um, But as anyone who's ever built their own company would know, there's not a lot of income when you first start. Like people, <laughs> mm-hmm. you're, you're really not paying yourself when you're, when you're trying to build a company from the ground up. And if you are, you're probably not building a very good company. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, not one that's going to last. No. And so over the last, you know, six to nine months, most of the money we make from Dice Storm goes back into building the company, which mm-hmm. might surprise some people out there, but if you know that that's just kind of how it works. And so I started taking on some freelance work um, and James Hudson, uh, many don't know this. He was the second person to review Dice Throne um, for our first Kickstarter. So Ed Bariff or Gaming with Edo, he was the first person to agree to do a review for Dice Throne season one uh, before it was called season one. And so Edo, James and Man vs. Meeple were the first people to review and play our game. And so since that time, James Hudson and I have kind of built a friendship and he has often said, Hey, I really want to work on a game with you at some point. And so he has shared this all over Facebook and Instagram, but they have a game in development at Druid city called Wonderland's war. Mm. 
and there are a bunch of really cool game designers working on it and I get to do the art and it's all still very much in flux. I mean, there's all kinds of changes going on and iterating and standard board game fashion. Yeah. yeah. I, I, Who's working on that? I'm trying to remember. Uh, the original cast, I think, it was Gilmore, uh, Jonathan Gilmore, Ian Moss. They did Dinosaur Island and Dead Winter. Right. And then there was uh, Tim and Ben Eisner. Um, I'm right. not totally up on, you know, their status or what they're doing or who's sure. still involved or what's happening. So as the cool. as the artist, my job is to make pretty junk. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, but some, some put you in that studio in your backyard. Yes, just let right. me sit back here and draw. That's what I want, really. Yeah. Some mildly successful game designers yes. are working on so, that, we'll say. Uh, and then I'm also I'm being a little facetious. People but. yeah, yeah. People don't know this one, but I'm I am working on a little I'm working on a project with uh Roxley games. Um, but Gavin has not announced anything or he hasn't done any kind of publicity or promotion for it or anything. So that's for him to share when he feels fit, but that's been a lot of fun. I've been making art. It's not, I'm not doing any game design for it. Probably the most exciting thing for me recently was I made a game with my son. Uh, we started making it a couple years ago. It's called Dragon's Keep and it has been picked up by a publisher. So me and my son will have co-game design credit on his first game. It's called, say the name of it again? It's called Dragon's Keep. Okay. And uh, when he he was, he's eight and a half now. He was six-ish, six and a half when we started. And he, I asked him if he wanted to make his own game. And he said, yeah. And I said, all right, you got to come up (laughs) with a theme. You got to tell me what the game's about. And he thought about it for like 10 seconds. And he said, (laughs) I want it to be about dragon. I want to be a dragon. And I want to get all the gold. There you go. And I was like, that sounds like a perfectly valid board game. So we have been making this game and uh, I actually have the contract sitting in my email right now to sign with a publisher. Wow. Um, And so it was very cool. And I don't think it's, it has, it's not really public yet at this point, but it's uh, the, the publisher specifically told me, they said, well, once we make changes, if we do, we want to make sure your son approves all the changes. <laughs> That's, That's awesome, dude. And that was, that was very encouraging to me. Does he need a and lawyer? Yeah. I'll be his lawyer. Yes. <laughs> you set like, like office hours for him? Yes. Like, yes. All right. Yeah. You need to be working on design during these, <laughs> yeah. this time. So Math homework first. Yes, and- yes. Oh, they do math homework for sure. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's been super fun. And then I also continue to make games just for fun on the side. I have mm. one I'm working on right now um, that I hope, I don't know if I'll find a publisher or if I'll do my own Kickstarter on the side for it. Uh, whatever I do, I might have like a game linked to a comic book, you know, have a comic book that yeah. runs concurrent to the the game itself. I, I don't know. So lots of fun that's things. something you do as well is uh, when well, we didn't even talk about Pogthrone. Right. But, we did uh, not. Another yeah. thing oh gosh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is uh uses milk caps like i guess you've, you discovered you're calling it pog throne so i guess i remember you telling me you discovered that you can use the term pog we can we we looked into it and apparently pog is now considered a common common word oh, um, yeah. but there is a person out there trying to actually gain he's trying to petition uh to gain yeah. the copyrights and he he's been declined once and so he's re-petitioning to try to get it if he loses this time then it's for sure lost and he can never get it yeah. again um, yeah. But yeah, now Pog- is he doing that because of Pog Throne? No, or that no, was just this would just happen to be a person oh, okay. trying to get the rights to the word Pogs. Um, 
but yeah, this uh, Pog Throne is kind of funny because it started back in October with uh, April Lynn and um, yeah, who's one of our, our very own one of our Lynn. staff and yeah. founders. Yes, she's the uh, awesome. And Mister, is it Poyer? Poyer? Yeah. What, no one knows. <laughs> we just go per. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, yeah, it's Poyer. Poyer. Yeah. So the both of them had kind of jokingly made fun of some art I posted because I put art in a circle. And they were like, oh, it's Dice Throne Pogs. And I was like, oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You caught me. It's Dice Throne Pogs. And then from there, I just started, I went, uh, my friend Aaron Hine, who's all over our Facebook community, and he's been helping out with Dice Throne a ton since the start. But I said, mm-hmm. Aaron, we need to try to make the, uh, Pogs fun because it's a crappy game. <laughs> <laughs> and so we started yeah. and we made pogs and then nate got involved after we had started and then nate kind of helped uh really fine-tune it into what is now pog throne and so you 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 throw pogs at a stack of, or you throw a slammer at a stack of pogs yes. and try to flip them over yes and each of the characters you have different characters and they have a kind of like different abilities mm-hmm. that they can use um so you you choose how you want to play you can try to catch the slammer after you've you've slammed it on mm-hmm. the hogs and if you do you can get like a bonus damage yep. or different things like that yeah yeah it's so just to get every it. time i tell anyone about it the first thing they do is roll their eyes at me <laughs> and then i say you need to try it afterwards you're gonna tell me that it was more fun than it should be yeah <laughs> yeah yep. and that is universally been the truth except one dude who walked up and he's all like pogs are dead let them stay dead <laughs> Cool, bro. You're so yes. edgy. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, nobody really wants to hang out with that guy anyway. Yeah. So. I don't. No. Uh, <laughs> no, but I that would definitely be my... Well, I thought it was going to be fun to begin with, So, but it was definitely my experience that it was more fun than I thought it was going to be. Yes. And I think it hits that nice little, like... Like, April and actually wrote about this on our site. Mm-hmm. It hits that nice, um, like, note where you're doing something that almost like as an adult feels like you probably shouldn't be doing, <laughs> but it's, I don't know if that makes sense. It sounds, mm-hmm. that sounds bad when I say it, but yeah. um, like, like you're going to throw this slammer down and who knows where it's going to land. Uh-huh. And it's, it's, it's could, it could be awkward in your, in your home for that to happen, but it's, it's really satisfying when you do it well. And uh, you know, it, it, I like that it gets people out of their comfort zones a little bit to do something that's a little bit goofy. Uh, but, but, once you do it, you're like, oh man, that's so, so simple yet. So, so, so satisfying. Right. I mean, the first time I mean, we were playing, right. And I, ma- yeah, I made you restack and I'm like, now throw it uh-huh. like you mean it. Now actually throw it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You helped me have fun my first game because I, yeah, you were like, man, you got a stickler, it, Drew. Like, like give it. Yeah. Well, the, so, the truth is because yeah, like especially at Gen Con, you know, you're you're a little bit worried, like it's gonna land because people were playing Dice Throne around where we were playing uh, Pog Throne, uh-huh. and you know, I'm like, is this slammer gonna like knock into somebody's dice or like make somebody <laughs> mad? But it's all part of the experience you learn. You it know? really is, and the truth is, is adults don't throw things at other things unless they're mad or they're you know, yeah, in a fit of rage, right? And so you you let an we adult let go and like mm-hmm. throw a poker chip effectively at a stack of cardboard. Yeah, it's very freeing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can tell you as a parent of three small children. We need some outlets to like <laughs> that are safe. Uh-huh. That are safe for that kind of activity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. Um so 
tell us about like you do you grow up in the spokane area is that where you're no i from? did not um so i grew up in the minneapolis area in minnesota okay. so just yeah, in the know. suburbs around around mm-hmm. minneapolis um that's where i was born and raised uh i have two younger sisters and younger brother and so i was the oldest um it's funny when you asked my my last name or where it's from my original last name is niska um, okay. I was adopted by my dad at 10 or yeah, 10, 10, 11. Oh, cool. Um, he's the only dad I've ever known, but when at, growing up, my last, my full name was Emmanuel Mark Niska and all okay. the rest of my family was Trembley. And I never really, that sounds, uh, like, like, uh, Scandinavian. Uh, yeah. Niska is Finnish actually. It's from, uh, okay. it's, so it's yes. Um, sounds like a hockey player. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so I, growing up, I didn't even know that I had a different, I mean, I knew I had a different last name, but I never put two and two together. That meant it wasn't, I was only half biologically related to myself. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I grew up in there and we, uh, like I said, I, I moved to Spokane for the purposes of a job with Cyan. Yeah. So. Cool. And uh, was, was religion a part of your bringing? There's a lot of, a lot of, uh lutheran folks up in minneapolis yeah minnesota is a pretty heavily lutheran uh part of the world um my my family was not particularly religious um we went to catholic church uh for easter and christmas um or if grandpa went if my grandfather went then we found ourselves at the catholic church and Hmm. (laughs) yeah he had that kind of play We also, uh, but he wasn't that into it so that he went. No, no. He oh, only man. went occasionally. And when he went, then we went. Um, but we always, like, all right, everybody's going to yes, church. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we definitely went for Easter and Christmas. And yeah. we also said the Catholic, uh, dinner prayer, um, as fast as possible every evening. Okay. Oh, wait, you know, I think I, I know. Is that this, uh, bless, bless us, us so Lord, for these, these thy gifts, thy gifts, which we are about, to, we are about to receive <laughs> from thy bounty through Christ. Our Lord, Lord, amen. amen. Yes. Boom. There you go. You nailed it. Nice. I'm not even Catholic. Yes. So that was, um, that was kind of the extent of it. Uh, my, my family went through some trauma when I was 12, my parents got divorced. Um, mm. and in that time period, uh, I ended up experiencing a pretty intense Lutheran uh, sect that my grandfather was a part of, my mom's dad. And so, okay, so different, this is the same one that grandpa. would force you to go it's a different one. to church? It's a different one. Different one, okay. So this I is my mom's converted, dad. But okay. Gotcha. Um, okay. And so I experienced during this divorce, my mom kind of reverted back to her family and, you know, she went where she thought she belonged with her family. And so mm. there was a lot, it was a, it was a very volatile, horrible divorce. And mm. in that process, I experienced this intensely domineering, not pleasant, uh, firstborn apostolic mm. Lutheran church. Oh boy. And I've never heard of like, I've always thought, I don't know if this is true or not. Like this might be a stereotype that's way off, but you think of people of like, people in Minnesota being Lutheran, like of just being sort of like this friendly right. kind of like very 
kindly Midwestern sort of religion. Yes. But that was not, this was a different sect of, of it that, was, it was a more extreme. Was, I mean, there was uh, women couldn't wear makeup. They had to cover their heads. Oh, wow. uh, the men couldn't wear ties because those were considered adornments. Uh, kids can't play organized sports because that's, you know, fraternizing with or spending time with, you know, the, the heathens of the world. Uh, yeah. Did you play organized sports leading up to this? Yes, I did. did you have to like quit? I did actually. I played a lot of baseball. That was my primary sport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so mom's like, Nope. I no more did not play baseball that summer. I ended up actually choosing. My dad had legally adopted me the year before they got divorced, and so through the through the unfriendly divorce, I ended up living with my dad instead of my mm. mom. Okay. And so both my younger sisters and brother ended up with mom, and I ended up with dad. And okay. So I then, you know, it was just me and my dad, and eventually, you know, there the a new family formed. You know, but. Anyway, mm-hmm. so that, yeah, that was, that was a volatile part. So religion was not really a part of our family growing up. Uh, it was yeah. the, I'll, I'll tell you a short story here and then we can move on. But uh, yeah. when I was 10, I, I was laying in bed and my dad came in to tuck me in. And I remember telling him, dad, he you know, gave me a kiss. Well, time to bed. I was like, dad, I think I'm going to kill myself. Oof. And oh uh, he got real serious as any parent should. And he started asking why. And I said, I just don't see the point. Like what's, this was before the divorce. There was no, like, there was just, I would call regular family volatility up to this point. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. Which I have since learned is not regular family volatility, but you know, sure. felt normal. And so I told him this and he, he kind of walked me through, he gave me what I would think any parent would say is like, you're loved by your family. You have a lot to live for. And I remember the, my, my, in, my inside response was, oh, okay, that eh, makes sense. I guess I won't do that then, you know? And I don't know that I would have proceeded yeah. through to done anything at that age or if I was just, you know, spitballing or, you know, exploring the world in my head. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I remember at 10, uh, and I didn't tell my dad or mom this um, at the time, but I was like, wow, so I'm going to hell and... I need to find God and I don't know how to do it. So I have the rest of my life to figure this out and I better figure it out fast. Mm. So this is not normal 10 year old (laughs) at 10. Yeah. (laughs) Like what? Dude, I'm like, I'm thinking about Ninja Turtles at age 10. No, and you're over here like (laughs) contemplating the complexities of the universe and eternity. It wasn't. I can understand it. My, my daughter like is in this phase right now where everyone's what's not lately, but there was a good, stretch where she would wake up in the middle of the night. I don't know if she'd wake up in the middle of the night, but she just wouldn't go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And she'd come in and tell us that she can't stop thinking about death. Yeah. Yep. And so we had to have these like conversations about Poof. about about hope and mm-hmm. like why why death is something that we we like at some some ways you do want your kids to be afraid of it because you don't want them to like walk close to the edge uh, right. when you're hiking or right. Uh, of a cliff or something, but at the same time, you also want them to understand that there's hope, and that yeah. um, I don't know, you know, for me as a Christian, like there's there's a hope beyond the grave, and and I believe that God is good and is going to take care of her, and you know those kinds of things. Yeah, but, but I um, I, but yeah. I proceeded to spend from ten to eighteen uh, reading books and talking to people of different wow. religions, and hmm. um, I, I it's funny enough that through that eight years, the organization I hated most was Christianity. 
Um, I very much, I was very opposed to Christians. I thought that they were the... And what was that like rooted in? Um, It was the people I would meet. I'm sure part of it ended up being my my grandfather's church. Um, Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. sure. That that, that definitely didn't feed uh, a very good uh, view of it. But I also (laughs) remembered feeling like most of the Christians I had met in my early, my teens, um, they were intensely angry and hated others Mm. and hated people Mm. and... um, I remember someone asked me to pray Jesus into my heart at uh, at a mall, and so I did it just because. I was like, "Fine, fine, yeah. let's yeah. do this. Just leave me alone." Yeah, fine. I did that too because I was like, <laughs> somebody said I was going to go to hell if I didn't. I was like, "Well, I should probably give it a whirl." Right. At least, yeah, sure. What's the worst that could happen? Pretty bad. So I remember, <laughs> you know? like, I was an angry person through junior high, high yeah. school. Um, but I was in inward angry. I was probably the guy that was going to snap and like do something horrible kind of person, but you'd, you'd never would have thought yeah. that because I was Minnesota nice. I would just, you know, be, <laughs> I would be nice to people. Yeah. But I remember yeah. these guys, I prayed Jesus into my heart and uh, they walked, they gave me a hug and they walked away. And I remember being just mad. I was angry at them. Remember? And mm-hmm. as they walked away, the only thing I could think in my mind was they have no idea that I hated every minute of that and that I meant none of it. And mm-hmm. they're doing nothing to follow up. They're doing nothing to help me. Yeah. And I just, I remember at that moment or around there, I was like, Christianity is the worst of all of the religions and I want nothing to do with Mm -hmm. it. It was a fascinating, it was a fascinating time to reflect on. Yeah. But you were still searching for like meaning and like. What's interesting is in high school, I, there were two moments. One was. I was like, okay, so what, what, what are true things, right? I was like trying to mm-hmm. figure out what is truth. And I remember right. coming to my own conviction that the Bible was from God and that I had to use huh. the Bible to find God, even though Christians were the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. Uh, and then I remember gonna be the title of this episode of the podcast, Christians of the worst. The Bible is true. Yeah, Christians yeah. Are the worst. Yes. <laughs> and I just, I, I remember thinking that and I'm like, well, okay, so that's the one thing I have to study and figure out because that must have the answers, mm-hmm. right? If it's actually from God, it must have yeah. the answers. Do you think that like that, did that come from your upbringing? Just this like. I honestly don't remember. Like I, I have no, I don't feel like, hmm. I think when I talked to my mom about it, I think she tried. I think she tried her best when she was younger, when I was younger, yeah. to try to influence this. I mean, she named me Emmanuel. And right. Specifically, mm-hmm. God is with us. You know, if God is with you, who can be against you? You know? And yeah. so, uh, you know, in church, when people would sing, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, I would always get really weirded out by it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm here, guys. You can stop yes. singing. And so, but I, I remember thinking that, and then I remember wondering how could anyone know they should ever get married, right? Watching the hmm. uh, volatile hmm. divorce, I was like, well, I, I better put some fail safes in place, right? So <laughs> in high school, I remember thinking to myself, all right, there's three things. This is how I'm going to know I should marry someone. I was like, for one, she's going to love God more than me. Two, okay. she's um, agreed to not have sex before marriage. Mm-hmm. And three, um, I'm not going to kiss her at all until our wedding day. And if she's not cool with that, then we're not going to get married. Oh, yeah. This is so interesting because you're like, you're not really a, a Christian at this no, point. No, no. But you had really bought into like 
some deeply evangelical right. like views of dating and stuff. Right, right. <laughs> some things that I didn't even understand when I did become yeah. when I finally did become a Christian. Um, I remembered thinking to myself, "Oh, that's cool." So that means any woman I marry should love God more than me. We should agree to have yeah. a pure relationship. And uh -huh. the third one is a little awkward. Uh, <laughs> and I remember people yeah. challenging me. They'd be like, well, you can't expect your future you know, wife to not do that. And I says, well, yeah, I can. Yeah. And look, I can. If she wants, if she won't agree to that one, then I'm, that obviously isn't the person I should marry. And it was pretty funny. Once I started dating my now wife, uh, I remember it was our second date and I walked her to her door and she went inside and then I called her a little while later and I said, okay, so I don't know if that was weird, but I just want you to know that I'm not going to kiss you. Oh my gosh. And she was like, oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could go one of two ways. And she was like, oh, oh good. Okay. Oh, and I said, oh, I'm glad you think that. And mm -hmm. I said, you know, I said, obviously, I don't know if we're going to get married. We've been on two dates. And I said, that my, my, me telling you this has nothing to do with my belief that we will or won't get married. But um, any person I date, I am not going to kiss them until the day of our wedding. And I just want you to understand yeah. that that's a conviction that I have. And that is what I will be doing. And she was like, sounds great. So wow. and yeah. we, we held up. And that's when you knew. Oh, and that's actually, you know, after that moment, I was like, I could marry this woman. Um, yeah. And so we dated and we got married and we held to all those things. So. Dude, that's was wild. She from a Christian background? Uh, her dad tried. Like, she they read the bible a little bit but mostly no they didn't go to uh -huh. church either okay um so yeah we i was uh i got married we were, i just turned 21 so i met her when i was i met her the first time when i was 19 turning 20 and then we got married mm -hmm. about a year and a half later that's cool wow and uh so but then you did spoiler i guess mm -hmm. but you became a christian at some point I did. like when did it when did you decide i'm you know you, you, when did you kind of take on that identity? Like you figure out, like, I guess you're reading the Bible during this time and stuff because you believed that the Bible was. Yeah. I didn't truth. believe the Bible Bible was understandable. Um, okay. And I think that had a lot to do with Christian and Lutheran upbringing. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that that's. So that's a common thing in, in Lutheran circles is that like, we can't fully know what the Bible's about or something or what. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know if it's as prevalent in Lutheran. Um, I think it's very okay. prevalent in the Catholic church, but right. I remember feeling. Right. So in the Catholic church, it's kind of like you need, there, there's some Catholics that believe like you need the Pope to explain right, this to you. Right. You need a, the church to, to, to lay out. What right. This and is I, I don't know how prevalent that still is, or maybe it still is, but it was definitely yeah, when right. I was a kid that it was kind of that mindset of, you know, you don't read the Bible, yeah. the priest or the Pope or the, you know, your whatever sure uh they, right. they are the ones who read it and understand it um actually it was interesting i uh to give you a, a 10 penny tour when i i graduated high school and my dad had said so if you're you're gonna stay if you're gonna go to college then you can live in the home but if you can't if you're not going to college then you should move out you need to move on with your life so i chose not to go to college mm -hmm. and i moved out um and the month after i moved out i met a handful of people from this church and they asked me to like, if I was interested in studying the Bible. And so um, I said, no. And I proceeded <laughs> to say no regularly. And then I was too busy and too busy, too busy. Yeah. 
Um, and then a girl I was dating at the time, she came along one day and she's like, Hey, I'm going to this, this church thing. And I don't want to go by myself. Will you go with me? And I said, is it, you know, is it at the Hyatt downtown? And she was like, yeah. And I'm like, sure, fine. I'll go. Mm-hmm. So I went to this thing and the girl, yes. Yeah. Honestly, that was, that was a big incentive Flirt to convert baby. <laughs> and so, uh, I went to this thing and I hated it. I actually, I disliked the service. I didn't like the preaching. I didn't like anything about it. And mm-hmm. I just was waiting to leave and never go back again. And this yeah. random dude walked up to me and he was all like, Hey, do you read the Bible? And I was like, I debate the Bible. And he's like, do you want to get together? And <laughs> I debate he's it. like, do you want to get together and talk about the Bible? And I was like, sure. And so, so I remember I was driving to meet this guy at a Denny's. Yeah. And uh, were you dreading it or were you excited? I, I was scared, between? honestly. I was really yeah. scared. I thought I was going to some cult. I thought I'm going to show up and they're going to ask <laughs> yeah. me to drink some Kool-Aid uh-huh. or something. And they're going to try to like mm-hmm. tell me, which is possible. They're going to try to yeah. tell me what's wrong and why I am horrible or, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I prayed. So I'm, I'm driving to this Denny's and I had two prayers. The first was uh, the guy who invited me to this thing. His name was Tony. And I was like, I don't like Tony. I think he's a nerd. <laughs> and uh, he, I said, I hope that Tony brings someone cool with him and that Tony doesn't talk the entire time. <laughs> Manny, I got to, okay, I got to interrupt you. I'm sorry, because I just need, I need to, um, verbally appreciate your honesty and I need everyone else to like zero in on this because I feel like maybe this will be weird to say, but you know, like when somebody's had like a couple drinks, Uh right. And it's like, then the honesty comes out and they just talk like they would normally talk. And I'm assuming it's a little early for you to already be drinking. I just think this is who you are. And that is very refreshing um, and I think people can learn a lot from that to just oh, yeah. have that kind of honesty, but also do it in a way that you're not a dick. Like you can be honest without being mean. Um, yeah, right. Anyway, I just I needed to process that that out loud. And <laughs> now we can continue with the cool. story about Tony. <laughs> so anyway, so Tony, so I'm, I'm this is my first prayer is that someone cool shows and Tony doesn't talk. And then my second one is, okay, if they try to, if they sit down and they try to tell me what to do with my life or try to tell me how, how, what I'm doing wrong, or then I'm just going to get up and leave. I'm going to, yeah. I'm not going to listen. I'm going to leave. <laughs> so I got there early. I'm sitting at Denny's. Two people show up, um, which I learned later is fairly common. People study the Bible with other people. You know, that's not an uncommon thing to have partners, mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, people teaming up it's on others. It's interesting that you wanted that. Like you wanted somebody else to be there because I think some people might interpret that as like a, like a bait and switch. Like you invited me to talk about the Bible and then you brought in your like right. heavy hitter. Right. So, so anyway, so two guys show up, Tony and Dan, um, Dan ended up being in my wedding. We became we're very oh. good friends. Oh, cool. Um, so they sit down, uh, Tony says, hello. And then Dan starts talking and he's like, listen, we, you know, small talk, hanging out. And then he's like, okay, so we're here. He's like, the first thing I just want to say is I'm not here to tell you what to do with your life. I'm not here to Mm -hmm. like force you to believe something or try to force 
some kind of religion on you. I said, that's, he said, that's not the point. The point is, is years ago, I studied the Bible and started learning things about myself. And I want to share these with you. And if they're applicable and if they work for you and there's something you, you want to change, then by all means, then we can hang out and study the Bible and we can learn together. And I was like, cool. Yeah. So we proceeded to hang out and we talked and shared Bible scriptures and um, Tony didn't say a word. And then he said, very end, he said goodbye. And so Tony said hello <laughs> and goodbye in a two-hour <laughs> conversation. Okay. And so wow. it was soon thereafter um, that... So Tony's the opener and Dan's the closer, apparently. <laughs> well, I, I then, I, you know, I, I became friends with Tony as well. Tony was, uh, uh -huh. you know, both guys were 10 years older than I was. Um, which was interesting yeah. for me because I think at that time in my life, I wouldn't have listened to people my own age. Um, mm -hmm. I was, uh, people my age were dumb and yeah. uh, I was dumb. Yeah. I mean, the, this, the hard truth is that I was an idiot as well, but sure. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have heard another 20 year old. Um, so the whole like, yeah. you know, campus ministries or whatever that are all pumped and excited and, you know, high energy. Yeah. Um, I would right. have, mm -hmm. I would have hated those people with drive. real passion. And mm -hmm. so instead yeah. I ended up spending a lot of time with these married men who were about eight to 10 years older than I was. Um, and mm -hmm. so that was kind of the, the church group that's that cool. I became a part of and the ministry that I became a part of. And, um, so yeah, that's kind of the, yeah. the and I remember, I appreciate, sorry, yeah, I was just going to say, I remember, um, a revelation I had after this point, because I was convinced before this, that I was just waiting to go to hell. Like there was no, I was mm -hmm. hoping that maybe someday I'd figure it out and, and I could, you know, find God. <clears throat> um, but after all this happened, I, I remember I was sitting in a bathroom at the deli that I worked at and I was like, Oh no, now I know the truth. Oh man, I can't ditch this. Like now <laughs> if I leave this, if I run away from it, <laughs> I'm running away from something that I believe is actually true. And that was a, yeah. it was a very like, I'm, I'm 19 yeah. years old and I'm like, well, if I live to be standard age, I got to hold on to this conviction for 50 to 68, mm. 70 years, man, can yeah. I do it? You know, can I actually remain yeah. faithful? Can I be a, a real disciple yeah, of yeah. Jesus for 50, 60, 70 years? Yeah, there's two things that kind of stick out to me in your story that I think are 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 interesting and valuable. One is these guys, Tony and, and Dan, who talk to you. Like, I think there's a people struggle to like. It's almost like offensive to a lot of people to say, "Hey, let's get together and talk about the Bible." Um, but I, like, it's so it's hard to have those conversations these days. It feels yeah. like, but I appreciate them just being like, "Hey, that's what I want to hang out and talk to you about." Like, there's no pretense. There's no bait and switch. It's not like, hey, come over to this, um, you know, Xbox game yeah, night. Yeah, come to this and, game and night. The, and yeah. then all of a sudden they're like telling you you're, you need to trust Jesus mm -hmm. or something or, yeah. or, or else. Uh, but no, just like, hey, would you like, and then it's on you. Like, would you like to come talk about the Bible uh, with me? Um, yeah, I think just that uh, honesty is something that I think could probably go a long way with a lot of people. Um, the other thing that I appreciate about your story is that um like you were thinking about things that i like at a young age and and it sounds like you continue to dwell deeply on these things that a lot of people just don't ever like slow down <laughs> and think about. it seems like like you're it seems like you're a very like 
like big ideas and, and important concepts and the idea of like, um, you know, living your life according to what's true seems to be like really important to you, which yeah. I think, um, even a lot of Christians, like a lot of Christians don't slow down and no. think about right. this kind of thing. And, you know? and it's a scary, it's a scary universe we live in kind of, I mean, the idea of saying these things, some people are offended by the notion of this, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, you know, I have studied the Bible with people and hung out with people and shared the Bible with people that chose not to want to embrace God or have a relationship. And I'm still friends with these people, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I yeah. feel like it, it's important yeah. to Gasp. me. Yeah. And that uh, honestly, <laughs> you work with them and yeah, hang out with you know, them. These are and, people I know yeah. and I can, I still consider friends. Yeah. And when I go back to Minnesota and I see them, I give them hugs and they're, they're great. They're great people, you know, and I, I mm-hmm. it's not my job to force feed someone. It's not my job to, you know, punch them in the stomach and (laughs) drop them to the ground, spiritually speaking. (laughs) And I I think that that's, it's an important aspect of, to me, it's an important aspect of my Christianity that it's, it's about more Mm. than just a, a blunt force, brutal Christianity. Yep. Yep. I remember, um, you, you talked about earlier about, you know, the campus crusade, rah, rah guys that are like going out and sharing the gospel on campus and stuff. Um, I was kind of one of those guys in college and I went to seminary too. I was kind of one of those. When I was in seminary, I went to the, one of the local like state universities in our area and would like go share the gospel with people. Um, and I remember one time sharing the gospel with this college student and uh, I'd kind of learned from someone who like, he was good at like, this sounds awful, but I'm just gonna call it what it is like kind of um scaring people <laughs> a little bit and uh and I didn't like that approach, but I was still influenced by it, you know and uh and it wasn't this 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 woman I was sharing with was not into it like she was not i think she the whole thing made her uncomfortable, but she was like willing to talk to me just because she's trying to be polite. Um, and she stopped me in the middle of my talk with her and she was like, you know, you're kind of a jerk. Um, <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh my gosh, like you're totally yeah. right. Um, I went home and like, like, I'm not kidding. I, I'm kind of an emotional person. Like I, I don't, um, I don't hide my emotions very often. Um, and I don't, I don't feel bad about like expressing them. So I went home and wept, like I cried and I was like, I'm. I am a jerk. Like my, the way I, and it totally changed the way from like that moment, totally changed the way I relate to people and the way I talk about um, Jesus and the Bible and stuff. People, I mean like, and of course I've screwed up a million times since then with the way that I minister to try to minister to people, try to share. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I always think back fondly (laughs) on that experience because I'm like, thank, thank the Lord for this young atheist woman Mm -hmm. at uh, the university of Louisville who was willing to, to, to speak truth <laughs> to me and help me like chill out and be, you know, try to, try to, uh, talk to people like they're human right. beings. It's incredibly important. Right. Uh, your story just brought me back to that moment. But cool. so, so now, uh, you're, you and your wife are Christians and trying to assume raise a family, <laughs> a Christian home kind of thing. What, what, where are you at now? Like what's going yeah, on with your life um, it's a, with regard to all that stuff? It's a, it's a serious business raising children. Um, yeah. And I think it was interesting. We had a, a, some friends over for dinner the other night and we were talking about this idea that when you, when you raise children, like, of course they go to church with us, there's, you know, kids classes and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And, um, 
we pray with our family. We, I do my very best. Um, but one of the things I remembered learning when I was young was their parents are infallible up to a certain point, and then they become hypocrites to their children. <laughs> mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. I am already a hypocrite to my child and my, both my boys. Mm-hmm. Well, that's refreshing. Cause I feel and like <laughs> it is. It's a, I think it's, it's a, I think it's a, it's a reasonable thing to realize about yourself that, you know, when you're telling your child that they shouldn't have a can of Coca-Cola while I'm drinking a 32 ounce Coke <laughs> at McDonald's, right? Yeah. That, that's, that's a microcosm of the hypocrisy that I live, but, I try really hard with my boys to express that, to let them know, listen, guys, like my, I chew my nails. My son chews his nails. You know, I spent a lot of time telling him he shouldn't chew his nails. Meanwhile, I'm over here gnawing on my fingers <laughs> like they're cookies. Yeah. And so instead, what I try to do with him is I'm like, listen, I also chew my nails, Jasper. Let's work on it together. Let's do this together. You know, mm-hmm. you and I can be friends and we can, you know, friends in the battle to like not chew our nails. And, you know, when it comes to loving other people, I'm an introvert by nature and I really don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to hang out with people and love people, you know, deep in my, in my core, I want to be alone and selfish. Um, yeah. But I need to be that example to my boys and I'm going to fail and I make sure to let them know when I fail. And I feel like that's one of the only things I can do is continue to live out an example of a person who fails all the time. And, but I keep trying and my intention is my heart is to love people. My heart is to love my children. My heart is to provide a safe place for my boys to be boys without the whole current modern boys will be boys jargon of, you know, that gives mm. them the freedom to be jerks because it doesn't, Yeah, but they're adventurous my kids are brave. They leap off things. They climb, they run, they, <laughs> they wrestle, they, you know, but he also stood up for a girl who was being bullied in class. And that was a, that was a, it was a Bad high dad moment. moment. Yeah. Yep. It was totally, it was a, it was a high moment for me. And, you know, will my children choose to be disciples and of Jesus in the future? I don't know. Um, do I hope they will? Sure. But I can't, I can't force them to be, um, I can do my best. And in the end, they will, they will make their own life choices. And when they do, I will continue to love them regardless of their life choices. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, man. Amen. Well, well it's great yeah. talking to you, man. This is, uh, this is really, I love your story. So, uh, fun <laughs> yeah. Thanks for and, sharing and, that. And encouraging. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Glad to. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, uh, so people can be looking forward to, um, uh, the last remaining parts of, of season yep. two are coming out pretty soon. Uh, what were the dates you said? I believe on uh, season two, box three, which is the cursed pirate and artificer. I think it comes out next week in retail. Okay. Uh, we, like, cool. So that would be like yeah, it'd be the end of March. of March, I believe. And then I believe the Seraph and Vampire Lord box come out in May sometime. I think it's towards the end. Okay. Great. Cool. And then, uh, do you guys have a date in mind for the Kickstarter launch? We have been three? hoping. Our, our plan is May sometime. But we okay. have yet to make an, a formal date for that. Yeah. So don't quote him I, on that. Yeah, when I say that, that's just our internally. We're hoping that that will be around the time we launch it. Um, but mm-hmm. we're totally okay with the fact that if we have to push it to later, then we have to push it to later. It'd be better yeah, yeah. to make that co-op yeah, cool. really solid and awesome than force it out into the world. 
Yeah, definitely. And then Wonderland War, do you have a date? I don't know anything not? about that in terms of release. That's, <laughs> that's, uh... He's just he's just head down drawing crap. Yeah, yeah. You do the yeah. art. That's all. That's okay. all, James. He gets to and decide that. He's on a need to know basis. Yeah, yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we'll mm. ask him. We'll book him about that. Uh, and then we didn't talk about this much. I meant to talk to you about it more, but you you do some comics as I well. Do. Um, I do. Are you are you still uh, writing stories and drawing and, and that? I I, I need to. Time. It's been a few years now since I've made my own books, and it's you bring that up. It's yeah. funny because I I was just talking with my wife about how I need. It's a part of who I am, and it's something I need to do, and it pays mm-hmm. garbage. And so <laughs> yeah. it soaks up a ridiculous amount kind of, of work. Yeah, so it totally is. Um, it takes up too much time and is pay is terrible and it's a dying industry sounds of comic like books. <laughs> sounds, sounds like LTM. Yeah. yeah, go on. Yes. And uh, but inside me, I need to express myself through comic books. And mm-hmm. so when I'm not, my wife's like, you are you're kind of a depressed person when you're not making comic mm-hmm. books and making art. And she's like, I mean, I, I'm a, I am also a heavily emotional person, um, motivated by my feelings Mm -hmm. and mood. And, and so I do better personally when I'm expressing myself artistically and narrative. Creators have to create, man. They do. My, my wife, that happens to her sometimes too, where like, if she's getting into that kind of funk or just really down, I'm like, what have you made? Like, like, have you been making anything, you you know, painting Mm -hmm. or any stuff? And it's like, it just. It's a world of difference. Yeah. It's really hard when you're not creating when you need to be. And, and part of it's like, I got lots to do for work and it's hard yeah. to rationally allow myself to make things for fun when there's so much business to do. Sure. Um, but I am terrible at business <laughs> and when I'm, <laughs> I'm even worse at business when I'm not creating properly. Yeah. Oh, life. Yeah, Let us know when you figure it out. <laughs> yes. Yes. So if people want to, <laughs> if you want to check out the books that you have written, where would um, fishtankbooks.com is my store. It's my personal website. Cool. And so I still have all my previous books I've made. They're up there. People can find them. Um, yeah. Yeah. And they're great. Like I've, I, you gave us one uh, when we were at mm-hmm. Dice Throne Con uh, and I've read it to my daughter and she cool. loves it. So um, definitely would encourage people to go check out Victoria Jr. Mm-hmm. Those books, uh, some of those short stories and things are, uh, are great so um, go check them out I, lo- I love that you made something that's um got like a really a great story about good relationships between kids and their parents i think we don't see a ton of like there's as a parent i i recognize that those kinds of stories aren't like you have to kind of search them out really honestly it feels that way sometimes so um yeah i would definitely encourage people to check that one out but uh thanks so much for yeah. coming on the show manny this was of a lot course. of fun i'm happy to I'm happy to do it anything else you would want to plug before we uh, no, my boy is Stop currently here. standing over my shoulder, whispering at me. <laughs> <laughs> is there? Oh, he wants us to plug you. his game. Oh, oh yeah, dragons. Yeah, dragons. Dragons <laughs> keep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Cool. We'll be looking for that cool. too. Well, great. This is a uh, this is a lot of fun. Of Thanks course. so much, Manny. Thank you guys. And uh, oh, I forgot. I was supposed to say all the things. Go to lovelander.com and check out our great articles. Uh, we have a whole podcast network. There's free play, which is covers all areas of nerddom and is just really fun to listen to. They'll keep you informed. Also, uh, they do a good job of keeping you informed of what's going on with Love Thy Nerd. Uh, we've got some trips coming up to Phoenix Fan Fusion and Gen Con. So uh, if you're interested in going on a trip with Love Thy Nerd, going on a, a trip with us, 
go go check those out um, or ask us online. We have a Facebook community that's that's great. Just search for Love Thy Nerd Community on Facebook and click join. But then also search for Love Thy Nerd and click like on Facebook. That would help us a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Love Thy Nerd. Um, we're on YouTube as well. Uh, I think that's kind of all the things. We also have a comic podcast called The Pull List that's fantastic too. So if you're a comic nerd, uh, you'll definitely want to listen to that one. They've got some cool interviews lined up. Uh, they just did one not too long ago with one of the guys from uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The guy. East Moon. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So go listen to that. Uh, and that's it for us here on Humans Gaming. Yeah. See you next week. Later.